Good evening and welcome everyone to our very first ever online theology at the pub. So we ask you to be very nice to us if in case we have any tech issues because it is our first. But after many lockdowns, cancellations and having to reschedule, we thought it was about time that if we can't get to the pub, we bring the pub to you. So we're very pleased to have you all here. Um, and before we welcome our wonderful guests for the evening, we just have a few housekeeping rules. Um, we still want to try and follow our tap format. So if you have any questions, please feel free to pop them in the comment section or to send a private message to the tap Facebook page um, where we'll address our questions at the end. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest speaker for this evening, Sister Mary Helen, who's a Dominican sister of St. Cecilia and who will be speaking on something that we could all use a bit more of in this current time of lockdown, hope. Welcome sister and thank you for joining us this evening. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, I'm just gonna just get straight off here. I'm, I'm in Bacchus Marsh, so, uh, you know, where our restrictions are leaving, we're lifting tomorrow. So <laughs> things are looking up on this side of Melbourne, but um, it's pretty good. Anyway, I, why I thought of talking about hope was a couple of different reasons. It's a virtue I really, really love a lot. But recently, um, we received this beautiful card. I can see this lovely priest, his face. Uh, this is Father Henchy. Um, he's a beautiful stigmatine priest, and he just passed away earlier this year. And he was a great friend of our community. And he had a lot of little tagline phrases. And one of them was, throw your anchor in heaven. Uh, fix your anchor in heaven and he would say it really really often and um and i was just kind of contemplating that after um thinking hopefully he's up there you know with all those anchors uh, now but just this idea of throw your anchor in heaven like to fix our hearts fix our minds fix our lives on what is to come and what a, a change that makes to our life and you can see this little man you know like look at his face he's just totally full of god of peace of joy gladness he just was such a good man um, so it just inspired me again to renew this understanding and this kind of meditation on what is hope um, the other thing is I've also been reading a lot of St Paul and if you just read I'm just going to read to you this little quote from the letter of St Paul to the Romans and when you read this quote you just see underneath between these lines a soul on fire like a soul that is full of hope. Um, so just listen to it through these lines. So he says, nothing can come between us and the love of Christ. Even if we are troubled or worried or being persecuted or lacking food or clothes or being threatened or even attacked, these are the trials through which we triumph by the power of him who loved us. For I am certain of this, neither death nor life, no angel, no prince, Nothing that exists, nothing still to come, not any power or height or depth, nor any created thing can ever come between us and the love of God made visible in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Just very powerful, powerful lines and probably heard them a hundred times, I hope. Um, but when we read them again, it just lifts, lifts our spirits up just listening to him. This is a man in love and a man who has this certainty of God's presence and the good things that are laid up for him to come. And a lot of these letters that he wrote, he wrote while he was in prison or being stoned to death or being shipwrecked or being scourged. Uh, this man was living a life of suffering, 
But in the midst of it, his message is a message of hope. And I think we see that a lot. The people who we know and we can think of who are real witnesses to hope, they're known as witnesses to hope. People like um, St. John Paul II or um, Cardinal Antoine are people who suffered tremendously. So this virtue of hope that exudes from them has been forged in the midst of trials. And so in a way, we have a unique opportunity at the moment to be forged in this virtue of hope and to become really beacons of hope for people around us you know, to lift to lift the mood, lift the spirit, lift uh, people's hearts and minds to things that, that are greater. So let's get into hope. Um, okay, it's been boring. No, not boring, but fundamental. Dominican, I have to do this. So go to the beginning, okay? Give a definition. What is hope? According to the Catechism, Catholic Church, okay, number 1817, it says hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Um, it goes on. Um, but that's the nugget of it. Hope fixes our desires on heaven, trusting not in ourselves, but in Christ, who you know, has made the way for us to, to come to heaven. So it's one of these three theological virtues. So you have faith, hope, and love. I love them all. They're the best. Um, so but they're related to each other, and they're theological because their aim is God himself. Okay? So Faith, hope, and love have a little bit of a relationship with each other. Faith is the beginning, okay? It's a complete gift of God, this gift of faith for us to acknowledge him. But then we make acts of faith where we cling to him, we hold on to him, we, we reach out to touch God, and we make contact with him. It's almost as if, you know, when you're baptized, your house is like, if you think of yourself, yourself like a house, it's all wired up, there's power in the walls, um, okay, so it's there, but when you flick the switch, pff, that power flows. Um, so sometimes, well, actually, St. Thomas talks about faith as this ignition, this um, beginning of the of the supernatural life. So we need faith first. So faith sets us off on the journey. Hope is a particular theological virtue that is for the journey. It's the virtue of the pilgrim, and that's really an important part of it because it's for that time where we're not yet there. It's a virtue for on the way. Um, and it's really a clinging to God and finding that at the same time, he is the one holding us and this certainty of his presence and his, his goodness. Uh, and, it, and it really opens out a life. Um, so it's really amazing. And then love is the perfection. Okay, so this loving God for his sake. In a sense, hope is a little bit of an interested love where we love God who is faithful to his promises to us, God who has promised us eternal life. Um, and love is we love him for his own sake, right? So we love God himself for his sake. Um, so that they grow in that order, faith, hope, love. And when we lose them, they, they fall off in the other direction. So we lose love, then we lose hope then we lose faith. That's the way it works. We want to go the forward direction, not the backward direction. Okay. So what does hope do to a life? Hope, okay, so wait a minute, faith. Faith, what it does is it takes our reason beyond 
its natural limit. It opens out new horizons to our intellect to see beyond what we could possibly see by our own nature. It opens up to us everything that God has revealed to us about himself. Um, it perfects our intellect. Hope, on the, on the other hand, it perfects our, our will, our desires. So hope opens up new vistas too, but it teaches us what to love, what to desire. And it helps us to desire something that we aren't, aren't actually capable of achieving on our own. And that's why in the definition it says, like, hope is hoping for heaven, hoping for eternal life, hoping for something that actually we can't grab and pull down for us. We have no control over. we hoping in something that is a complete gift. And so we hope for that, trusting not in ourselves but in in the one who is faithful to his promises, in God himself, and the Holy Spirit rushes in to support us. Um, so it's, an, it's a beautiful, beautiful virtue. And every time you make an act of hope, an act of trusting that God is faithful to his promises, an act of looking up and out to what God has promised to us, um, we actually make room in our soul for the Trinity to rush in and give themselves. And that is a beautiful um, idea. Like imagine in your own spiritual life, sometimes we get a little bit in eh, my spiritual life, my story, and, um, and we, we just turn a little bit inward. But if you think of your spiritual life in another way of, of delighting God, the possibility of delighting him, God of his own nature is good. And goodness has this um, inward propulsion out to give. Okay? Goodness is diffusive of itself. It wants to give itself. So the whole Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, have this incredible um, orientation out to give. When we make an act of faith, an act of hope, an act of love, we, we open ourselves to receive this incredible gift of grace from God. And that delights the Trinity. Like we allow him to give himself to us. Um, and so it's a great way to view our life. Can I make an act of hope that lets God give himself to me? Um, it's not a selfish thing to do. Actually, we're letting him, him do what he wants to do. Um, so it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay. So hope is, is looking for something that's beyond our own strength, um, good beyond any good that we could want for ourselves. And it's a great conviction. And it has this certainty. Hope is certain. Um, we're actually certain that God is going to fulfill his promises. And that gives an incredible stability to our life. Thinking back to um, Father Henchy's little image of throw your anchor in heaven. Sometimes I think about that image and I go, oh, yeah. So an act of hope is kind of I throw my anchor in heaven. That's where I want to go. That's my fixed place of my life. That's where my life is orienting around. And I, every now and then I have to just pull on that rope and have the experience when I tug on that rope that it's certain. That God has the other end of that. And it's, yeah, that's that's a good place to throw my anchor. It's it's certain. Um, and when we do that, when we do that act, we pull on that rope. It's almost actually like we set off a bell in heaven and it's like rejoicing in heaven. We, we've, we're giving glory to God because we are making an act of, yes, I know you are. You are faithful. Um, so this is this, this beauty of hope. Okay, so we know what hope is. We know it's a great thing. We know St. Paul had it. All our friends have it. We want it. Um, so how do we grow in hope? Well, hope is interesting because 
it has kind of, I would say, um, not extremes, but these two poles of hope. Um, and they guard against the two dangers that try to take away from our hope. Um, the two dangers on one end, one danger away from hope is despair, right? Opposite to discouragement, flat. Uh, okay. And if you think about that, hope is the opposite of that. Okay. So discouragement, whatever, it's we start looking down, we look inside, we like, we give up, we, our thoughts are downward, um, interior, isolating, blah, we don't like that stuff. Okay. So it guards against that. Okay. That discouragement. And on the other end, it guards against pride, presumption. Oh, I'm already there. I'm all sorted. You know, I don't need you. I can do it myself. Um, so those two poles. So the virtues on those ends of hope, um, that, that partner with hope, on one end is humility to say, okay, I'm limited. I am limited. I cannot walk my way into heaven. I just can't do it. You know, I cannot achieve sanctity by myself. I mean, please don't try. Um, it's a real mess. It's a dead end. Um, so there's a humility of accepting my limitation. Myself, I can't do it. And that's a good thing. It's a freeing thing. It's a liberating thing. But until we understand that, actually our life is really frustrating um, because we keep thinking we have to do something we can't do. We just actually can't do it. And it's okay. Um, because as St. Paul discovered, you know, God comes to help us in our weakness. Um, we just, we can admit our weakness and God rushes in to help us with it. Um, but it's okay to be weak and to acknowledge the weakness. Um, and so humility is there. Um, St. Catherine learned that lesson. A lot of times that one lesson is the beginning of a real spiritual life, the beginning of a real relationship with God, where I don't need to impress him to be with him. Uh, I need him and I cling to him. Um, so humility on this end. On the other end, against presumption, pride, whatever, there's a healthy, there's a healthy gift and aspirational part of our life. And that's a great virtue called magnanimity. So magnanimity sees the nobility of our nature. Okay, great. I can't walk my way into heaven. I can't do X, Y, and Z. But I believe in the in the dignity of my nature. I have a God created me. He's created me with certain gifts and talents. He's given me the dignity of being made in his own image and likeness. And there's a nobility to my nature that I should be aspiring to excellence. Um, I should be aspiring to, to do great things, but not by my own power. Uh, totally depending on God and depending on his timing and his will and his way. <laughs> so humility and magnanimity are really great friends of hope and kind of rumble strips of, of hope that keep us going on the correct way. So um, hope is, again, the virtue of the pilgrim, someone who's traveling this way to heaven, um, yeah. okay, accepting their weakness, throwing themselves on the Lord in their weakness, and aspiring after greatness, depending completely on him. So there you go. Beautiful. All right. So a couple of things that help. Sometimes the theory is great. Sometimes no one really cares. So other people are a bit poetic about hope and that can help. Because like my, my hope <laughs> is that we would um, love the virtue of hope, right, and make acts of hope. So what's another image that could inspire us to want to do this? Um, if you like Charles Pegui, he's a French poet, 
and he wrote a book called Portal of the Mystery of Hope. If you want a good read, lockdown. Um, I don't usually, uh, sorry, I don't, I'm not a real poetry lover in general. I should be. It's a great art form. I'm just not very artistic. Um, but I love Portal of the Mystery of Hope. It's fantastic. And he takes a little bit of creative license and he sort of writes it from the, um, he makes the author really God. So he, it's a little bit on the edge, like he's a little bit on the edge, but it's good. So some things he says there, one thing is he he makes God, he makes hope, the image of hope in his work is of a little girl. So he has faith and charity as these regal, very, refined queens right walking in this lovely eucharistic procession and they're just they know their place they know what they're supposed to be doing they're doing everything correctly and walking in this eucharistic procession honoring the lord as they should where he has hope as this little girl in that eucharistic procession and she's running around running backwards and forwards and throwing petals at jesus and just having a great time and never getting tired like a little little girl like a little puppy just so excited Um, and it's a great visual image of hope because what does hope do to a person? A person with hope doesn't get tired. I mean, you, you naturally get tired, but you don't get tired of this journey. You don't get tired of pursuing the Lord because you really think it's possible to get there and that he's giving the grace at every time. So there's this youthfulness. Hope brings youthfulness. If you think of someone like John Paul II, I mean, even at the end of his life, he still was young. Um, so hope gives them. So this image of hope as a little girl. Another thing he says in that poem, he talks about sleep as really an act of hope. So if you want to make a great act of hope tonight, go to sleep. Um, <laughs> so in the poem, he talks about how uh, you know, in this character, pretending he's the Lord, he says, oh, I don't really don't like people who don't sleep because they're, they, it's like you can't trust me. So I can't look after your things while you're asleep. You have to keep working all night to fix everything yourself. No, go to sleep. I can look after it. Um, So going to sleep is actually a great act of hope. Um, The other thing he says that I love this little image is this concept um, that, well, God God is sort of not so surprised that people have faith in him because it's pretty obvious where did this all come from. Like faith is like, oh, I mean, it's good. It doesn't surprise me. It, it, you should have faith. It should be pretty clear that faith is an obvious thing. Or charity. Charity should be pretty obvious. I mean, love your neighbor, really. Um, if you if there's, some, there's something really wrong, if you can't see someone in need and turn to them in love. It says, but hope surprises me. Um, hope surprises me because people with hope wake up every day in difficult situations and hope that it could be different, hope that it could improve. He said, that surprises me. So yeah. anyway, if that works for you, I think it's a great poetic um, uh, nod at, at hope. The other image that I think is my favourite is from a guy that I can't really pronounce his name. It's like Pathicus Radbertus. There you go. Good but this is a great quote. I love this. It says, Christ is held by the hand of hope. Christ is held by the hand of hope. We hold him and are held. But it is a greater good that we are held by Christ than that we hold him. We can hold him only so long as we are held by him. That's a lot of words. But as an image, this concept of hope is sort of 
we are holding on to God, clinging to him in our weakness, in our need, in our hope. We, we hold him. And there, clinging to him, we find actually he's the one holding us. Um, the psalm on the other day on Sunday for the Feast of Mary McKillop, they had that line, um, my soul clings to him, your right arm holds me fast. And for me, that's that image of hope. Um, yeah. Scripture also, I think, is a great kind of testimony of hope. And sometimes it happens in your life that you end up sort of living the scripture passage. Um, and for me, the scripture passage that is most um, like standout, uh, it moves me a lot because I feel like at a different point in my life, I sort of was there, <laughs> um, is the the story about the, the apostles being on the Lake Galilee in the middle of the storm. This is an incredible storm. It's blowing a gale. The, the ship is like their boat, not a ship. Their boat has been completely tossed around. Water's coming in everywhere. And Jesus is sleeping in the end of the boat on a cushion. On a cushion, of course. So Jesus is there on a cushion. This passage really speaks to me of hope because I felt that there's a certain point in my life where there were things going on and it was really, really messy really, really messy. And I was really concerned, what am I doing wrong? Like, it's all, it's just all going all over the place. I have no idea what's next in my life. I don't know which way is up or down. I feel like kind of being dunked by a wave, you know, ah, and there's all this ah, noise. And I went to the chapel and I sat there and it was like the Lord, <laughs> I had this image of, of being on that boat, like the apostles and everything's crazy. And, um, and my reaction in that image was get the buckets and start, okay, let's get the water out. Let's get the water. Don't disturb Jesus. Let's just get the water out. Let's try and fix this situation. And the call there in the middle of that mess was put the bucket down. Put the bucket down. Okay. All right. Stop trying to fix it. Okay. Second, there's a storm. You didn't create it. The storm is there. You didn't make it. There's this, it's real, it's real, it's a storm. Okay, great. Next, where's the Lord? He's in your boat, okay? He's not away, he's not somewhere else. The Lord is in your boat. Go to him. And in my, this is all in my mind, right? Turn to the Lord. Right? You see him there, he's laying in the, in the stern. He's asleep on the cushion. And just turning away from the storm, turning away from trying to fix it, accepting that it's there and I didn't create it and I can't stop it. Turning, just looking at that direction, change the direction, look at toward the Lord. Then it became really clear. Just go put your head on the cushion <laughs> and just be at peace. I have no idea when the storm is going to stop. I have no idea how that's going to happen. But all I have to do is go put my head on the cushion and just be completely at peace. He knows when, how, this is going to figure out. And it was peaceful. And the storm in my life at that time did not fix then. It did not fix for months. But the peace fixed. I didn't worry about it. I didn't try to fix it. I just rode out the storm with the Lord. And at one point, he just chose in a moment to just one word and the sea was silent. And it was done. And I didn't fix it. He fixed it. And it really has been a lesson of my life. Like, that's it. We got to turn our gaze to him 
Um, it doesn't mean do nothing in your life. And, and at different times, you know, depending on what's going on, sometimes we do have to do something. Um, but we do have to acknowledge that and, and do whatever we're called to do with him, depending on him. We're not trying to fix it ourselves. Um, so I was just going to, um, another last, last little thought then is on hope is that actually hope, because it shapes our desires, um, it's something that is really forged in prayer. It can be forged through experiences, and we can see that in the lives of these saints. Um, but it also is is slowly, slowly seeps into us through prayer, through turning to the Lord. Um, actually, when when the disciples asked Jesus, "How do you pray?" Um, he taught them the Our Father. If you go through the Our Father, it's shaping our desires. Where should our mind be? Let's lift our our mind up to higher things. So if you think about the petitions in the Our Father, you know, hallowed be your name. Our Father who's in heaven, first line is like throw your anchor in heaven, all right? Lift your mind to higher things. Our Father who's in heaven, oh, that's right. I'm not alone. I have a Father who can, he's like all-powerful and present and real and right here. Um, hallowed be your name. I should be, be seeking um, his glory. Not mine, not the situation. Um, you know, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. So it, it, he's, that is our prayer to shape desire. Um, there's another prayer that I um, <laughs> I love to pray also that um, I think shapes our desires. There's this great little book. It's called, um, it's on the Anima Christi. And there's this little um, sister. Her name is Mother Mary Frances PCC. She's a convent household name. Very good. Um, but she has a great little take on the animate Christie. And if we have a couple of seconds, do we have a couple of seconds? I can just um, run through a little bit, just turning some of those petitions that hopefully we know really well, but turning them a little bit. She, she really takes that prayer and instead of a, mm, and, and, and turns the prayer into being looking upward to the Lord and outward to others. And, and I think they are the dispositions of someone who's full of hope. Um, so I'll just go through them quickly. So Anna Christi, first line says, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Okay. I've heard that before. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. So if you think of the soul of Christ, so when we have um, his soul, right, his, his human soul, uh, his intellect, his will, his, emor- like his emotions, his, his, his soul um, is where our sanctity comes from, not from ourselves. So to set our path of sanctification off on, and when we're having trouble in our, in our thoughts or in our desires and they're all out of whack, um, we take that to him, okay? And we lean into the Lord, your soul, Lord, sanctify me. So when we're having troubles there, um, we lean into him, our mind, our will, imagination, our memory. When any of that is out of whack, soul of Christ, sanctify me. Second, Okay, body of Christ, save me. So when we're having issues of body, right, we're hungry, we're starving, we're tired, there's addiction, there's whatever it is that our body is out of whack, it's not going in the right direction, then we lean into Christ, body of Christ, save me. That's a real cry of humility. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I can't control this on my own. I can't get this together on my own. Body of Christ, save me. Um, you know, think of um, St. Peter, you know, it's falling in the water. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, then, then 
blood of Christ inebriate me. Usually we pray this prayer after we receive communion, right? Which is really, really powerful. Um, you can pray it all the times too, but blood of Christ inebriate me. And I love the way she turns this. She says, the blood of Christ, okay, so meditating, looking at the Lord, looking at what he's done. He's poured his whole life out for me. His blood was poured out through real sacrifice. Um, meditating on that inebriates us. Like it makes us drunk. What is this, theology at the pub, right? So we get drunk on um, on Christ. So this whole idea of being so um, lifted beyond our natural weight, right, is an elation that comes from um, looking at the blood of Christ. So we ask for this, this joy of the martyrs. So when we're going through our own little sufferings, we get this joy of the martyrs, this inebriation, this elevating ourselves up, Um be able to face the things that are going on. I love this one. Water from the side of Christ, wash me clean. How did the water come out? Okay. So Jesus' heart, like the, the water, uh, he was pierced for that water to come out. So we're asking this, you know, water from the side of Christ, wash me clean. Um, we're asking also to be pierced in that way. Like, let me be with you. Um, a cleansing agent in the world. Let me be part of this um, this washing the world from sin. Okay, passion of Christ strengthen me. That's a prayer of an adult Christian who says, okay, I'm having a hard time. This is really hard. Instead of collapsing, <laughs> I say, passion of Christ, give me the strength. I believe and there's a certainty that there's strength in your cross. And I have to, with an adult faith, go, yeah, Lord, I trust that you have given me the grace I need to face this. Um, and I love this. She says, you have to give up our former right to say, I can't. <laughs> um, I can't by myself, but with you and with the power of the cross, I can. And then, oh, good Jesus, hear me. That's a beautiful little joining phrase in the middle here. Sometimes Jesus can hear us in a way that we can't hear ourselves. When we ask Jesus, oh, good Jesus, hear me. Hear what's really going on in here that I don't even know how to get out. I don't even know how to see. I don't even know how to understand, but you know what it is. Good Jesus, hear me. Like, answer that thing, that thing that's really there. Maybe it's not the thing I'm actually saying to you, but it's the thing that I actually really need. Hear me. In your wounds, hide me. Now, that, that can be a really comforting idea. I'm going to just, you know, go and be in Jesus' wounds and hide there away from everything. She says, no, in the wounds, in the wounds of your church, hide me. Sometimes we wake up and we go, why is everything so crazy around me? Um, because that's where he's put. Because I, I've been called to be here in the wounds, in the wounds of your church. Hide me there. Okay, amen. Um, help me to be, what do you do? What do you put into a wound? Something really sharp and edgy and like, no, you put something that's going to heal, something that's going to be a balm, something that's going to be um, gentle. Yeah, so to be gentle in those wounds, um, to be a healing agent in the world. Then this plea, do not allow me to be separated from you. That will be the end of everything. Okay. Um, and we have to do our part to not be separated from him. So we need to put a little bit of structure in our life. Uh, like do our part to stay with him and then from the enemy defend me and we need to know our enemies and one of the main enemies is false hopes hopes that are too small it's not that we hope too much we hope too little 
you have for stupid things. Uh, help me to, to, to see that what matters is heaven and that is um, dependent on him, not me. So I can hope for that. Um, we need to know our, our enemies of our flesh, the enemies of the world, the enemies of media, all sorts of things. Um, and the truth, living the truth, that will set us free. At the hour of, de- of my death, call me and bid me come to you. Absolutely. And what about at this hour, at 8.03 tonight, you know, at this hour, Lord, when you call me, help me come to you. Right? If I want to come to you at the end, help me come to you now in all of your little now calls um, of my life, that with your saints I may praise you forever. And isn't that awesome? That it turns a whole prayer. Why all of these things? So that my life can be a praise of glory, that my life can be something that praises you, by the way. Um, that's not just about me making it home, but me being just what you've called me to be, um, to praise you in your life. Amen. Done. Thank you so much, Sister Mary Helen, for such an inspiring talk and for your wonderful words. We do have some questions for you. So we'll give you a bit of a bit of a rapid fire. No problem. So, look, our first question says, there's some critiques of St. Paul's works commenting that in many of his letters he wrote out of hurt, rejection, and was spiritually abused by the church's members. How did St. Paul's understanding of hope during persecution transform his work and ministry and increase his persistent effort to evangelise the church? Wow, that sounds like a master's thesis. <laughs> um, Starting with the hard ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, it be, it, that sounds like a great question to examine and read his letters and really go into that. I mean, off the top of my head, I, I mean, I can't answer that beautifully, um, but I think you can see it. Like I was trying to use that quote today, and if you, especially as you get towards the end of his life, um, what is he transmitting to the church? What has he left to the church? I mean, the church has got 13 of his letters as canons of scripture that we cling to. Uh, we are, we are um, holding on to truth that the Holy Spirit was speaking through him for the church for the rest of time. Um, and so uh, God, God is able to work even when it's messy. Um, and I think that's a great lesson. Um, there's no, never a perfect time. St. <laughs> Paul definitely didn't have this perfect time in the early church. I mean, I love it at some point. He talks about how. And then Paul left and the church was in peace. You know? <laughs> so, um, sometimes you have to get out of the way for the peace to come, but uh, it clearly God worked through through all of it, through all of the mess. Um, and so that, that gives us great hope, actually. I don't know if that really answers your question, but I tried. <laughs> okay, next question we have. What are some examples of acts of hope? Oh, that's great. Well, going to sleep for sure, right? And that, and, and I mean that really. Um, if you're that sort of a person who, you know, when you lie down, you're spinning, 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 or you walk away from a conversation and you're like, and you're reanalyzing, just the an act of hope of, well, they're kind of simple, but Lord, I trust this to you. I trust this person to you. I trust this relationship to you. I invite you into this. There's some acts of hope, but I, I personally, I like just pure, straight up, directed to God acts of hope of, of really just making them in the day. So, um, yeah, I, 
I'm a little bit of a, some people are different. For me, I, I make lots of little quotes. I write a lot of little quotes. I like little one-liners from scripture and I keep them really handy. Um, I just have a lot, a lot in my mind. Um, and I think that's a real, as I say, St. Paul says, it's the sword of the spirit and the word of God. Keeping some of those, finding some of them, writing them down, make them part of your uh, mental equipment up here of things you can can just say in a moment, you know. Everyday life. In everyday life, yeah, like your grace is sufficient, you know, or um, or it just going back to that image of right now I believe that you are present with me, you know. Right now I believe that you desire my good. Um, St. Catherine has a great one. We have to come to believe that everything God wills or permits in our life is for our sanctification. Um, uh, you know, Mother Teresa, she has a lot of great one-liners. Um, Jesus living in my heart, I believe in your great love for me. Uh, but there's all those little acts of hope that, that reset our mind up to heaven um, and just speak truth there. Yeah, anyway. Fantastic. Okay, our next question. Do you have any recommended readings about hope? You could try Joseph Pieper, Faith, Hope and Love. It's a bit, yeah, I don't know what you like to read, but that's a good one. Um, oh, this isn't really on hope, but if you get faith right, you get hope right. This is my favourite of all time. Spark of Faith by Father Kiyotek. Um, That's my favourite book ever. Yeah, really, really good. Um, what else on hope? St. Paul. Uh, uh, this Anima Christi by Mother Mary Francis, Space Salvi by Benedict XVI, um, Road of Hope by Cardinal Van Tuan. Um, yeah, is that good? Plenty of options. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this month we celebrate 800 years since St. Dominic passed to eternal life. What examples of hope have you seen in his life that we can learn from today? Oh. Uh, that was going to be planted by one of my sisters um okay so from the other room yeah probably um examples of hope in the life of saint dominic how about how peacefully he died by the way um he he really just wanted to be buried under the feet of his brethren um and and just he really we have no writings of saint dominic um he built a beautifully structured order which was lovely an ordered order um and we have his life and we have um yeah we just have his life and his charism and his prayers and he just trusted that god would find the way and here we are 800 years down the track with no divisions in the order and um a healthy life i think that's a great act of hope um myself definitely and fitting question from that one, why did you choose the name Sister Mary Helen and what drew you to the Dominican order? Wow. Okay. Um, so <laughs> what drew me to the Dominican order? Um, God. <laughs> Definitely God. Uh, yeah, actually. And, um, I mean, I, what I love about the Dominican order, I love St. Dominic a lot. Um, he's just a beautiful, beautiful soul um, on fire with God, just loves truth. Um, uh, real passion for truth there's a real need I think to see that that speaking the truth with love is one of the greatest acts of mercy um, I try to explain that when I teach little people and 
just that idea that if we have a lot, if you have a lie in your mind, and many people do at the moment for all different reasons, um, even if you have a, you know, any kind of lie in your mind, like you're no good or some error about faith or this person hates me, and it's just a lie, it's so oppressive and it changes so many of your decisions and your actions, cramps your life. Um, so to preach the truth in love is a, gives great freedom. Um, I think one description of St. Dominic is he was stupefyingly free. I love that. Just a free man, just completely a child of God, a child before God. I think that disposition, um, maybe when I was growing up, the emphasis was on we're going to build the church. Ah, let's get it done and let's do all these things. I exhausted myself trying to, you know, do things. And I think I, when I sat in the chapel with the sisters, it was actually all the promises of God washed over me, all of what God is doing for me and um, for us. And so this sense of no, actually to be a child before God, God is my father. God is doing everything. Jesus saved the church. Um, there. So to be a child before God, I think was a really healing um, meeting in my life. So um, Sister Ray Helen is because several reasons, um, but that was also a little bit of a God moment. But Mary Helen is the name of uh, the baptismal name of uh, St. Mary McKillop. And so just so happens actually yesterday uh, Mary McKillop's feast day, but also everywhere else in the world, it's also St. Dominic's day. Um, so it just lined up really beautifully. That's beautiful. Okay. So what was the biggest turning point for you in your faith journey? I think I'm still turning. I'm still turning <laughs> turning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just slowly, slowly, slowly we're turning, turning, turning. Um, I think there is, yeah, it's just ongoing, hopefully. Still, still keep trying to grow. Yeah, I think. Um, but I, I think maybe, yeah, I mean, in the coming to a point of letting, letting, um, letting him lead, you know, letting him do everything. And I don't, I actually don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I feel like the last few now are a bit of a get to know you, Sister Mary Helen. Yeah. So it's a, uh, do you have any creative outlets? <laughs> Yes, who's writing these questions? <laughs> well, it's all been set up now. <laughs> what has it got to do with hope? Um, <laughs> I <laughs> creatively like to hope. No. Um, yeah, I do little creative things a little on the side. I like quotes, for example, you know, quotes about scripture. I like to keep writing them and giving them to people. So there you go. Fantastic. And um, who is your favourite saint and why? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I like Saint Dominic, clearly. <laughs> um, I like lots of saints. Yeah, Dominic's very good. I, I'm very, very good. I, I really love him. Um, I also, the second person to order after him was um, Blessed Jordan. And he's another person that has that incredible freedom and, and very balanced humanity. Just a, um, he's just his ability. You know, sometimes when we're in spiritual life, we can get a bit severe. Um, I don't think either of them was like severe that way. There, there was a, a great um, balance in their life, great um, joy and goodness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Now, in this um, difficult time, I guess, where everyone's in a lockdown, I know that you're slowly coming out, but do you have any words of wisdom for people who feel that um, given they're not able to attend church and you know, receive the Eucharist and, and are feeling a bit lost in this time and have that experience of despair, how they can find that hope in their life? Yeah. Um, well, yes. I think that really making acts of hope is, is a real thing. It, there's real grace um, there. And like, theological virtues are the most direct direct access point you know that's real grace is flowing there and I think if we we hold on to the certainty of that um, that when I can sit and and um, I know I do that a bit you know you just sit and and find that God is here he's chosen to live in us we're not alone um, and he understands us better than we understand ourselves. He's present. He's giving himself. Um, and he's all powerful. He knows everything. So just sitting in that embrace, right? So we cling to him and he holds us fast. And so uh, it just gives peace to, to the situation. Uh, and we, we can, in that embrace, we can let go of those little hopes that are maybe or those little desires that are, we're trying to we're trying to achieve, but they're out of our control, and we can let them go, and and look up and out to this something greater that He is doing. That He is doing. It's not waiting. God doesn't have to wait for lockdown to lift to to change our life. He's doing it now. Um, so I think that's certainty. And last question, a nice broad one. What's your favorite thing about the Catholic faith? <laughs> I love the church. <laughs> um, Jesus. Uh, I'm like, um, a very broad for you to end with. <laughs> I mean, I think I think I learned what the church was when I was young, and it's just um, that gives a lot of hope too, right? When we look at the church for what it really is, as the body of Christ, as this mystical body of Christ, um, we can uh, always hope. There's He's promised. He has promised us and he is present with us and he is all powerful. He's full of mercy, full of love, and he's leading us home. Um, and so then um, I think that conviction lets us, um, lets us keep moving on this journey. So, yeah, it's a great gift we have, you know. It's not a human-only organization that's getting stuff wrong or right or whatever. It's not. It's Christ and he's here. Um, and so there's always hope. Thank you so much, Sister Rehelm, for joining us this evening and being our first online guest for Theology <laughs> at the Pub. Um, thank you, everyone else, who were able to join us this evening. And we're hoping to keep the online events going until we're able to get ourselves back to the pub. So we'll keep bringing the pub to your living rooms. Have a lovely evening and thank you. Thank you. Bye.